So it sounds like the NBA is going to get back on their feet, get going, finish up their season, have a little play-in tournament, and then get going. I think this year is going to be a big asterisk by it, not because of the shortened season or the way it happened, because of the excuses. I could already hear them. When LeBron James signed with the Lakers, they were already planning the victory parade in L.A. They had ordered the rings. They knew when they were going to raise the banner the next year. ESPN had all their Laker games filled out for the year. They were all excited. Now with the new COVID-19 stuff and everything else, say this is going on and, yeah, you're inside a bubble, but all of a sudden, player X gets sick. A couple guys in the Lakers go down with the COVID-19 or coronavirus. Maybe LeBron gets it. And the, or whatever happens, the Lakers don't end up winning it. You think there was an asterisk by the 61 homers that Maris hit. Oh, boy. This would be the biggest, brightest asterisk we've seen in a long time. The Astros would be very happy because the heat would be off of them. People would be so upset if, for whatever reason, the Lakers don't win this clean. If other teams get hurt and get players down with the virus and the Lakers still win, ESPN, and ABC, and the NBA will look the other way. Anything but the Lakers winning will be an asterisk. And that is very sad. If there's an asterisk there, it should be because of the coronavirus. Why the playoffs were different this year. Why the season ended the way it did. And that won't really be an asterisk, but just a footnote for the season. Kind of like if there was a strike shortened season or a delayed, you know, season's broken up for a strike. That type of note to it. If they do something silly because LeBron doesn't win it and they all get in an uproar, it could hurt the NBA, I think, in a way. Because as much as fans want to see LeBron win, they want to see the big teams, you know, the big city teams out there all the time. It happens, it happens, folks. Maybe the NBA should look at it and maybe just call the season. But the reason the NBA won't is because they got a TV contract and a labor contract coming up in a year and a half. Anyone budges now, that could affect that. Major League Baseball is going through the same thing with that. So let's hope everybody stays healthy. LeBron wins great. LeBron loses great. Let's just hope everybody's healthy through it. Because I don't want to hear the arguments. I don't want to hear the what ifs. You hear that when a player gets injured, that's bad enough. If someone gets injured, I'm not saying good, but I'm saying if they get injured, okay, that happens. That could happen in a regular season. Someone having to get quarantined for 14 days because they have the coronavirus, you show no symptoms, you feel fine, but you got it. You're out 14 days. That's a series right now. If they're all going to be playing in an isolated situation down in Orlando, 14 days could be the entire, could be most of a seven-game series. That could be very important. Um, so let's just hope we can get through this. We can get through it with everybody healthy. No issues, no excuses. And we could all learn from this too that we can't put all of our eggs in one basket. If you want your favorite big market city team to win networks and it doesn't happen, don't complain. It is what it is. That's why I think with this tournament format the NBA is going to have, ESPN and ABC are going to love it because they can kind of dictate it a little bit. They can make, they can jumble the schedules a little more instead of travel dates. Um, but we'll see. A lot of guys are foreign players that live in other countries for the, for the NBA. If they want to come back at the last minute, they're going to come back, miss the 14 days right off the bat. That's 14 days of training camp. They might not be in shape. Let's hope they're hitting the treadmill over at home right now. If I was an NBA player, 
first of all, through this whole thing, you're darn right. I'd be doing my best to stay in shape. Staying in shape and basketball shape are different things. I get that, but I'd be staying in shape. A few days, get knocked the rust off, but you're a professional. You should be able to roll out of bed and hit free throws, my opinion. I'm paying you that many millions of dollars. You're darn right. Your butt's rolling out of bed and hitting free throws. But give them a few days in game shape, then start playing. But if you're coming over from a foreign country and you miss 14 days, that could be just as bad as catching it during the season and missing days. So maybe fly over now. Start doing your 14-day quarantine now. If you think you might have issues, get tested now. A lot of guys are catching it, and they're sitting out now. Let's hope we can get through this in one piece without issues. So it sounds like the Twins are going to be taking down the Calvin Griffith statue outside Target Field. Do I agree with this? Sure. He, they did some research, and it's no big shocker to Twins fans for the years. Calvin Griffith was a racist. He had issues with black players, African-American players. Um, he moved the team here instead of down south because he had issues on that. But not to take away from anything from Calvin as a person. He was old school, and that's just the way he was. It was a sign of the times. Not defending him. Just saying at that time, yeah, people kind of looked sideways at his statements, but not as bad as they do today. Should they take the statue down? Sure. Take it down. I err on the side of caution, if you will. But maybe... Inside the stadium somewhere, have a plaque for Calvin. Have a little story there about what he did for the team, how he brought him here. Because he should be honored, maybe the wrong word, but recognized by the Twins for what he did for the team. If you know the history before they came here, when they were the Washington Senators, the first Washington Senators, there was one pitcher he had looked at and wanted to sign, and things fell apart, and he never signed the guy. That player was Fidel Castro. So, Kelvin could have changed the world. And But, I mean, when I say he, when I, and the reason I use that example is Fidel Castro. Here was a Cuban player. Kelvin was looking at him. He looked at African-American players. He looked at all players. He just looks too much of it as a business side investment instead of a who's the better athlete, who's the best team. My opinion that's what Kelvin did wrong. He looked at the cover of the book, not what was inside the book. Now, he did make a lot of good decisions. He did eventually sign Rod Crew. Rod Crew has openly said he's got a problem with Calvin Griffith. Breaking news, a lot of people had problems with Calvin Griffith. Harmon had problems with Calvin Griffith. You know, white players did too, so that's irrelevant. I think when they put the Calvin statue up at the time, Ballparks were going through this whole phase where we got to put statues up every now and then, at least once a year or once every two years for a, a, a day to draw crowds in. Because it was a weekend and the Twins were playing the Yankees or the Angels or the Red Sox or the White Sox. No problem selling tickets. You're playing Tampa Bay. You're playing, you know, the Padres are maybe in town from the National League. You need something to draw fans in. Therefore, hey, it's Calvin Griffith Statue Day. It's Kirby Puckett Statue Day, Herbeck Statue Day. That's probably when they did those a lot was when the lesser draw teams came to town. Again, Kelvin, looking back at it, did he deserve a statue? That's arguable. But in my opinion, the man at least deserves a plaque inside the building somewhere. 
with a write-up for him. Um, he did do a lot for the team. He did a lot for the, the town and the state by bringing him in. So let's just quietly take the statue down and let's go back to our lives without someone else taking it down for us. Kelvin, I've got his book, an autographed copy of his book, The Last Dinosaur. He was a he was a smart man, but he was very old school and very stubborn man. That's not good in sports business. Maybe regular business. I don't know. I don't know regular business much. I don't know sports business much. But to be involved in a sports team, you can't look at the cover of the book. You have to read the book. And that's Calvin's problem. Okay, town baseball has started again. The We go and see your local local hometown teams play. We've got... The Watertown Red Devils have started their season. Uh, they had a win this week against the Hamburg Hawks, 6-5 at Hamburg. They are part of the Crow River Valley um, League, so you can follow them there. We got a link to that on our Facebook page for the Watertown team uh, and their schedule. Love to see you all come up and follow them there. Also, we do have some other conferences out there, the Dakota Rice-Scott League, the DRS their schedule's out, and they have started playing games also. This is a great way to get your baseball fix. I mean, um, yeah, the Major League games are not going to let fans in. This is a way to go see some baseball. Like I know for ours here in the Crow River Valley League, they're asking for social distancing. There's going to be a few concessions. But still, it's a chance to get out, enjoy the weather, see some ball, support your local teams. I know some of the... Uh, Youth leagues have started up already with scrimmages and games going. Go see the kids play. Give them some support and love because those are the ones that are going to keep playing through your high school teams. You'll see them at your high schools, and you can cheer them on there. That's what it's all about, folks. I'd rather go see the town teams play. I'd rather go see the high school kids play, the traveling youth leagues play. That's a lot more fun. Yeah, You get to see people in your neighborhood there. Get to have... Fresh air outside. It's not that far a drive. You're not fighting traffic. You know some of these kids maybe or some of these guys in the other leagues. That makes it a little more personal. Oh, I know that player on our team. Oh, I, I know you know player X or player Y on my favorite team. Yeah, you know his name. You don't know him. You didn't. Your kid didn't go to school with him or you don't work with his mom somewhere. You know these people and that makes it more interesting. You get a little more investment in it, a little more fun to watch. And if they win, great. If they lose, great. You all go down and have a beer afterwards, great. That's what it's all about. I love the small town ball. I love watching that a lot more than I like watching the pros because of that simple fact, the camaraderie. The Right now what we need, folks, is this is going to help bring everybody back together again. We get to be outside and start doing stuff again. Feel good about ourselves. Little things like this is what's going to help us get back on our feet and be people again. <laughs> okay? We've all been stuck inside for months. We can't go do anything. You know, everybody's all disappointed because all the town festivals are canceled. You can't go to the state fair this year. It's canceled. All these other events have been canceled. Concerts, pro sporting events canceled. Here you can go here. Get your entertainment fix here. Support these guys. Have a blast. Have a good time. 
Isn't that what sports is all about is for the escape for a couple hours to watch a game. And that's what it is. It's a game. Watch people having fun. Yes, they're taking it seriously. They want to win. Don't get me wrong. But if they lose, they still get up and go to work the next day. Life goes on. So let's get out. Let's watch these town ball games. Let's watch the high school teams, the um, the youth traveling teams. This is what it's all about. Reconnect with your neighbors. Reconnect with your friends. Call a buddy of yours out who maybe he doesn't know anybody either, but you know what? You sit in the stands and you chew the fat for two hours, and if you happen to see three pitches, great. You got out and you supported everybody. This is what we need right now. This is the perfect medicine we need right now to get it back as a community. Baseball. This is Dan with the Amateur Baseball in the State of Minnesota update for baseball. I made a visit to Waconia Lions Park this last week to see the home debut for the Waconia Lakers taking on the Brownton Bruins in amateur baseball. Little Crow River League baseball. Pretty good stuff here. They're, uh, they have decided with the COVID here to do a 16-game season, basically playing every every team in the conference once. The reason I wanted to go to the Waconia game is after their renovations at their field there, they are set up to host, be one of the host sites for the 2021 State Amateur Baseball Tournament. So I scouted it out. It's a nice, uh, nice venue if you get a chance to get over there uh, to the Waconia amateur baseball field. Nice grandstands, concession stands, great ballpark. And I was able to watch a night game there under the lights. Pretty good. They're going to be hosting with Hamburg and Chaska. So keep in mind, not this year, not 2020, but 2021. Um, so that should be good. Um, the nice part of going to the game against Brownton, I was able to see starting pitcher Cody Simon pitch. Now, if you remember that name, uh, Cody Simon was a standout star in Wisconsin High School, went to Winona State and was their ace. And Winona State baseball had some good years. The year that they went to the World Series Division Three College World Series, um, sorry, Division Two World Series, he was the ace of that squad. Uh, big right-hander, tall, lanky, very good. And he can bring the heat. He was the starter for the game that I went to. He pitched five innings, shutout innings and gave up only one hit by the time he left. Uh, Waconia went on to win 11-1 to in seven innings. But Cody, Simon pitched five shutout innings. Uh, interesting to watch. Uh, they've got some talent. Uh, some of these leagues have got some good, good talent. Uh, Cody also played for lacrosse in the Northwoods Baseball League. But he's currently uh, the ace for Waconia. Waconia also has... Uh, leadoff hitter Justin Schultz, um, three years removed from graduating from Waconia High School, may have known his name as a standout football player, uh, standout baseball player on that team that won the state high school baseball tournament, Class 3A in 2017, and also very good wrestler, finished fifth in the state, went on to wrestle at Minnesota State University, Mankato. He is their leadoff hitter. And uh, they got quite the lineup there for Waconia.
Okay, it's been a couple of weeks, so we got two weeks of this week in sports history and baseball, or sports history and birthdays, starting with baseball. June 15th, 1928, Ty Cobb, at the age of 41, steals home for the 50th and final time in his career. 1938, first night baseball game at Ebbets Field, the Reds 6, Dodgers 0, as Cincinnati's Reds' Johnny Vander Mueller hurls an unprecedented second consecutive no-hitter. 1977, the New York Mets trade Tom Seaver to the Cincinnati Reds for Pat Zachary. 1983, Cardinals trade Keith Hernandez to the Mets for Neil Allen and Rick Ownbay. That ended up being a good trade for the Mets a few years later. The 86 team, very well put together team, kind of all started together with that trade of Hernandez, and around that time the Mets drafting uh, Gooden and Strawberry. Birthdays, 1984, Tim Linscombe, American pitcher, played mostly for the Giants, was born in Bellevue, Washington. He was known as the Freak. Linscombe was the Rookie of the Year in 2007, had back-to-back Cy Youngs in 8 and 9. I was part of the three championship uh, teams there with the Giants. And he threw two no-hitters in back-to-back years, both against the San Diego Padres. So that was kind of his claim to fame. One was at San Diego, one was at San Francisco. June 16th, 1978, Cincinnati Reds pitcher Tom Seaver no-hits St. Louis Cardinals. Yep, the same Tom Seaver the Mets traded away a year before. Almost exactly a year to the day. 1991, Minnesota Twins win a team record 15 games in a row. 91 ended up being a good year for the Twins. That was their second championship. 1995, Marlins outfielder Andre Dawson, also known as the Hawk, uh, while playing with the Marlins. He had a, most of his career was known with Expos and Cubs. Bounced around towards the end there. Got his 400th career home run that day. Ended up with 429. Birthdays for the state. 1959, uh, professional wrestler The Ultimate Warrior was born on that day. June 17th, uh, locally here we might remember this more. 1991, the U.S. Open for golf was held at Hazeltine Golf Course. Um, that was kind of mirrored. There were storms one day, lightning hit a tree. There's some issues with that. Uh, I was there, for, not for that incident, but I went to one game or one of the days there. Uh, buddy and I went, thanks to Eric for getting us the tickets. I went there, but we did not see this championship. But Monday, uh, Payne Stewart won the playoff hole that day in the 87, 87 championship with against Scott Simpson. Uh, 1994, O.J. Simpson does not turn himself in on the murder charges. L.A. police chases White Ford Bronco for an hour and a half before he eventually gives up. Uh, we all saw that on live TV at the time. And, of course, from this point on, we're not going to cover any more O.J. stuff on here, the different parts of the trial. It just it started this day. I remember just TV, that's all it was that day. Every channel was this, was O.J. this, O.J. that. You think you're sick of seeing the stuff on TV now about the stuff? Man, every day was O.J. this, O.J. that. But uh, that's when it all started, June 17th, 1994. Birthdays on that day. Elroy Crazy Legs Hirsch uh, was an NFL halfback and end for the Rams. He was born in Wisconsin. Um, great thing about that is just, you don't see nicknames like Crazy Legs anymore in sports. It's all their name shortened down to other letters or something. But you don't see cool nicknames like Crazy Legs anymore. Uh, more birthdays, 1920, 1924. George Mikan of the Minneapolis Lakers. His birthday there. He was born in Joliet, Illinois. Also, birthday 1936, Larry the Axe Henning, professional wrestler, father of Kurt Henning and grandfather of Curtis Axel. Uh, you recognize those names from WWF, WWE now. 
1939, Lou Brock, the one-time base stealing record uh, leader, was born that day in 1939. June 19th, birthdays, 1940, Shirley Cha-Cha Maldowney, uh, American drag racer, first woman top fuel rider racer was born in vermont and i vaguely remember as a kid growing up watching our drag racing with dad my brother her name coming up so it kind of rang a bell to me and i was like hey i remember that name maybe a lot of you remember that too but uh gals and drag racing i thought it was great i love watching drag racing it's just not as popular anymore on tv uh we have it up at braider international once in a while fun to go up there i've been there a few times for that good times up there uh, also born on that day june 19th 1961 wahoo mcdaniel uh AWA wrestler, also wrestled in other organizations. Did have a pretty good NFL career also with the Rams, I believe, but uh, Chief Wahoo McDaniel's birthday. Also, 1974, Doug Mankiewicz, former Twins first baseman. Now he's a coach in the minor leagues. Expect to see his name coaching in the majors in the next few years. I think he's got a pretty good chance of doing that. June 20th, 1992, Dino Cicerelli is traded away from the Washington Capitals to the Detroit Red Wings. Dino Cicerelli, of course, started his career at the North Stars. 1964, June 21st, 1964, Phillies' Jim Bunning pitches a perfect game against the Mets on Father's Day. In the second game of a doubleheader, the Mets got three hits in the first game, none in the second, three being the fewest hits for any National League team in a doubleheader. 1997, the WNBA, the Women's National Basketball Association, began its Start with a game between New York Liberty and the L.A. Sparks. June twenty second, nineteen ninety or nineteen eighty seven, Tom Re- Tom Seaver retires after his third try with the New York Mets. Um, birthdays, nineteen forty seven, Pistol Pete Maravich was born that day. Uh, Pistol Pete was one of the innovators of the game. I uh, really enjoyed. I never got to see him, but you watch highlights of Pistol Pete. Very very fun fundamental player to watch. 1971, Kurt Warner, um, Super Bowl MVP with the Rams, the greatest show on turf. He was born this day in 1971 in Iowa. June 23rd, 1939, Bronco Nagurski, former NFL player, beats Lou Thez in Houston to win the National Wrestling Association heavyweight title. Those of you who don't know much about wrestling, maybe locally here in Minnesota, Lou Thez, like in that area down there, was kind of like what Vern Gagne was here locally in the AWA, if you remember those names, or Hulk Hogan in the 80s. Just no one ever beat Luthez. And so Bronco did, and uh, Luthez eventually got it back. 1972, U.S. President Richard Nixon signs an act barring sex discrimination in college sports. 1973, Phillies' Ken Brett hits four, is his fourth consecutive game with a home run in which he pitched. Now, Ken Brett was a pitcher for the Phillies. Four straight games, he hit a home run. He ended up having 10 for his career. He had a career batting average of 273, so he wasn't that bad a pitcher as a hitter. And yes, Ken Brett is George Brett's brother, so that family dynamic there. 2003, Barry Bonds steals second base against the Dodgers to become the first player in Major League Baseball history to have 500 career home runs and 500 steals. I don't know if there's even anybody in the 300-300 club, to tell you the truth. I'd have to look that up. Um, but yeah, Barry Bonds, 500 career home runs plus, 500 steals plus. That's pretty incredible. 2008, Felix Hernandez, King Felix of the Seattle Mariners, who at this time, pitchers didn't bat in the American League unless it was an um, interleague game. This was. So Felix Hernandez of the Mariners hits a grand slam home run against the New York Mets. First pitcher since Steve Dunning in 71 to do that. 
Birthdays, 1901. Chuck Taylor, American basketball player and shoe salesman, uh, was born on that day in Indiana. 1970, self-proclaimed Vikings superfan Cliff Peterson was born on this day, 1970. June 25th, 1976, Rangers Toby Hara. Toby Hara, I remember, vaguely remember the name Toby. Good player, good career. As the only shortstop not to handle a fielding chance in a doubleheader. I think a shortstop would be happy if he went two innings in a row without a chance. He went a doubleheader without an opportunity, so that's pretty incredible right there. June 26th, 1994, Kirby Puckett passes Rod Crew with 2,088 hits as the Twins' top hit leader. Too bad neither one of them are the greatest twin ever. That would be Harmon Killebrew. Birthdays, 1819. Abner Doubleday, Union General, Major, and inventor of baseball, was born on that day in New York. June 27, 1986. Robbie Thompson of the San Francisco Giants sets a record getting caught stealing four times in one game. June 27th, birthdays, 1956, Brad Childress, NFL football coach, was born in Illinois on that day. June 28th, 1987, Don Baylor sets a career hit-by-pitch mark record of 244. You don't see that a lot anymore. Baylor was one of those guys. He uh, stood kind of close to the plate, pretty stand-up, stood straight up, approach, big man. If the ball came close instead of ducking away, he just turned that shoulder into it. Hit by a pitch, he's at first base. That's as good as a base hit. And uh, he got on base and kind of thought that was his job to get on base. That's what he did. I know uh, Craig Biggio of the Astros was hit by a pitch a lot in his career in the 80s, too, 80s and 90s. 1960, John Elway, horse, uh, former quarterback of the Broncos, uh, Super Bowl champions in 23, or 32, 33 Super Bowl champs. Was born in Port Angeles, Washington on 1960 for John Elway. Also 1961 birthday, Jay Schrader, NFL quarterback for the Redskins and the Raiders, was born in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. That is the two-week period there for uh, sports, news, and birthdays that we've had. Uh, now we're going back to regular weekly shows, so they won't be so uh, long and interactive here by that. That's a two-week period for uh, this week in sports, birthdays, and history.
Music this week in uh, music history and birthdays again. Two week period from June fifteenth, or starting back on June fifteenth, and we're going on that day in nineteen ninety nine. After a seven year recording hiatus, Santana records the album Supernatural, which goes to number one thanks to the hit singles like Smooth and Put Your Lights On. It's their first chart topper album in twenty eight years. So it goes seven years between between recordings. And 28 years between number one hits. Uh, Carlos Santana, one of the greater guitar players, I think, of all time. Very fun to listen to him play. Just just, a, just incredible to play. Just so the 
little, little Mexican sound, kind of a jazzy blues feel, a little rock in there. It's a little of everything from Carlos Santana. Very, very good to listen to. 1995, five years after their successful debut After the Rain album, Nelson, uh, Ricky Nelson's boys, Matthew and Gunner, released their second album, Because They Can. That album tanked. Um, the first album wasn't bad. Their second album, not so much. Those two now go around doing a Ricky Nelson tribute show, doing their dad's songs. And I'm sure they throw a couple of theirs in there too, but uh, the, their twin boys are around doing the old man's music now. 1989, The Offspring's self-titled debut album is released only on vinyl. A CD and cassette is re-released eventually in 1995. Birthdays, 1969, Ice Cube is born O'Shea Jackson in South Central Los Angeles. And in 1937, Waylon Jennings is born in Littlefield, Texas. June 16th, 2010. Metallica, Megadeth, Slayer, and Anthrax play on the same bill, marketing the first time the big four of thrash metal do a show together. 1980, the movie The Blues Brothers, adopted from the John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd classic Saturday Night Film skit, premieres in Chicago. A love letter of sorts to the 60s R&B and soul, which helps reestablish the careers of its musical co-stars, including James Brown, Ray Charles, and Aretha Franklin. I just got done watching this movie the other day again. Very good movie. If you like the old blues, you hear a lot of the rock sounds. A lot of rock sounds came from blues. We've talked about that in the past. You hear a lot of it in there again. Um, some of the language, maybe have the little kids around. Not around for that, but again, you got to remember it's Saturday Night Live. It's based in Chicago in the 60s, so it is what it is. 1978, the movie adapt- adaptation of the hit Broadway musical Grease. Starring John Travolta and Olivia Newton-John opens in U.S. theaters, becoming a smash hit that year. Lots of many uh, sing-along songs for that, that unfortunately we all know and get stuck singing. Some of you are probably singing it now, just hearing the words. June 17th, Megadeth kick off their world tour, or kick off tour with Aerosmith after Dave Mustaine has heard in an interview saying that the band should be the headliners. Jackal and Fornam Blondes open the remaining of the dates after that. So how bad are you to be replaced by Jackal and Fornam Blondes? I mean, I like Megadeth. I like Dave Mustaine, but popped open his mouth one too many times there and got replaced by Jackal and Fornam Blondes. Birthdays. Barry Manilow was born on that day, June 17th. Barry Manilow was born in New York. June 18th, the year 2000. The Experience Music Project Museum, including permanent exhibits from Jimi Hendrix and Nirvana, opens in Seattle. Uh, June 18th, birthdays, 1963. Dizzy Reed, keyboardist for Guns N' Roses, is born in Illinois. 1942, Paul McCartney is born. James Paul McCartney, he's born in Liverpool, England. June 19th, Motley Crue began their Girls, Girls, Girls tour with a show in Tucson, Arizona. Show features an inflatable Harley, tons of pyro, and a contraption that spins Tommy Lee and his drums are upside down while he plays. White Snake is the opening act. Later on the tour, a new band called Guns N' Roses takes that spot. So very interesting there. Birthdays, 1969, uh, metal guitarist Brian Welch of Korn is born in California. 1963, Simon Wright, drummer of ACDC, is born. 
England. 1950, Ann Wilson of Hart, born in San Diego, California. They later moved to the Washington area and formed the band from there. June 20th, 2003. For his 54th birthday, Lionel Richie receives a special gift, a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. According to Lionel Richie, the star's location on Hollywood's Boulevard isn't far from the Holiday Inn where the Commodores stayed on their first trip to Los Angeles when recording their debut album. So that was pretty pretty interesting for him. On your birthday, you get your start on Hollywood Walk of Fame. Lionel Richie, of course, with the Commodores, a lot of big hits there that went on to a solo career. Very, very popular in the, the 80s with Lionel Richie. 1978, Foreigner releases Double Vision. Very good album. I recommend that one a lot. Very good. Foreigner's Double Vision. Birthdays, 1924. Chet Atkins, country music, and one of the architects behind the Nashville sound was born in Tennessee, 1924. 1942, Brian Wilson of the Beach Boys is born in Englewood, California. Lots of birthdays on this day. 1945, Anne Murray in Nova Scotia, Canada is born. Anne Murray is born a Canadian gal, uh, country music singer, 1945. 1954, Van Halen and now Inner Circle bassist, Michael Anthony is born in Chicago. Uh, Michael Anthony, of course, with Van Halen all through the days. Uh, now he plays with Sammy Hagar's bands. Uh, he's done some other projects in between. Very talented bassist. Um, the bass player is a key to any band. They hold the everything together between them and the drummer. Michael Anthony's backing vocals were very important to Van Halen, I think, and with Sammy Hagar's band. A lot of people say, oh, Michael Anthony, he's great. He's with Van Halen. Yeah, he's great, but not just because he was with Van Halen. He, Michael Anthony, very talented musician. 1960, John Taylor, bassist for Duran Duran, is born in England. Yeah, where he's the co-founder of Duran Duran, and he later uh, was the second group, second kind of super group, The Power Station, along with Andy Taylor and Robert Plant. Uh, Power Station had some good albums, late 80s, early 90s. But John Taylor, uh, bassist for Duran Duran and Power Station, born this day, 1960. 1967, Jerome Fontenelle's keyboard and background vocals for Switchfoot is born. He was born in the Philippines. So not a little, little side note there for you. A, guy, a keyboard player from the Switchfoot born, 1967. June 21st, 1970, Art Garfunkel makes his acting debut in the movie Catch-22. Paul Simon was also slated for a role in that film, but was dropped, leading to a rift that broke up the band Simon and Garfunkel. So that, that was it. The movie Catch-22 is the reason. That's the fault. Birthdays. 1959, country singer Kathy Matea, known for the, her 1988 hit 18 Wheels on a Dozen Roses, is born in West Virginia. 1950, Joey Kramer, drummer for Aerosmith, was born in the Bronx, New York, 1950. 1944, Ray Davies, uh, rhythm guitarist and vocalist for the Kinks, born in London, England. June 22nd, 1990, Billy Joel becomes the first rock act, rock act to play Yankee Stadium when he performs for the first of two sellout shows. Now everybody's saying, Yankee Stadium? Come on, rock bands have played there before. They rebuilt Yankee Stadium. It was renovated so the new Yankee Stadium. 1981, Mark David Chapman pleads guilty to murder of John Lennon six months earlier and is sentenced to 20 years life in prison. 1988, Robert Palmer releases Simply Irresistible in his native UK, where it peaks at number 44. It 
does much better in the U.S. where it lands at number two on the charts. 1948, Todd Rundgren is born outside of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. In the 70s, he became a top solo artist and one of the most celebrated producers in music, with Meatloaf's Bad Out of Hell, his biggest commercial success. 1936, Chris Christopherson is born in Brownsville, Texas. June 23rd, Duran Duran's The Reflex hits number one in America, a version of a remix from the album cut down by the by chicks Nile Rogers. Nile Rogers is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, very talented man. Uh, if you get a chance to look up some of his stuff to listen to, Nile Rogers, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and still, with that said, in my opinion, very underrated. Doesn't get a lot of respect, I think, from other people he deserves. 1979, the Charlie Daniels Band releases The Devil Went Down to Georgia. Daniels plays the fiddle part for both Johnny and the Devil. He says the Devil's part was just a bunch of noise. Charlie Daniels. Charlie Daniels is a good follow on Twitter, by the way. Um, gets kind of political, kind of religious, but Charlie Daniels, good, good follow. Birthday is 1929. June Carter of the Carter family was born. Valerie June Carter in Virginia to Maybelline and Ezra Carter. Later, she marries Johnny Cash. And uh, June Carter Cash is by Wayne Ornate later on. June 24th, the year 2000. Kiss auction off just under $900,000 worth of costumes, instruments, and tour memorabilia, including Gene Simmons' Psycho Circus tour wear, including the codpiece, which went for $32,200. 1969. Written and produced by Sonny Bono, the romantic comedy Chastity, casting Cher in her first solo film role, as a hippie runaway who tries to overcome her troubled past, the film bombs and turns Cher off from acting in films for more than for the next few decades. Birthday is 1967. Jeff Cease, former guitarist of the Black Crows, is born in Nashville, Tennessee. 1949. Uh, John Isley, bass guitarist for Dire Straits, is born in Lancaster, England. 1944. Rock guitarist Jeff Beck. Is born in England. Jeff Beck had a lot of stuff he did with Rod Stewart for a while or two. Very good guitarist, Jeff Beck. June 25th, 2009. 50-year-old Michael Jackson is found dead in a Los Angeles mansion. He's renting. The shocking news spreads quickly through the social media outlets, and Jackson is the subject of numerous tributes over the next few weeks. June 26th, 1999. Pearl Jam scored their biggest Hot 100 hit with Last Kiss cover of a song from the 60s that reached number two. 1996, Sammy Hagar is replaced as Van Halen's lead vocalist by the man he replaced 11 years earlier, David Lee Roth. 1977, Elvis Presley's last concert takes place in Indianapolis, Indiana. He dies later on August 16th that year. Or did he? 1965, The Bird's Mr. Tambourine Man goes to number one on the Hot 100. It's the only song written by Bob Dylan ever to top that chart. 1979, the Village People become the first disco act to play Madison Square Garden. Birthdays for that day, 1973, country singer Gretchen Wilson is born in Illinois. Gretchen Wilson, more than just a country singer, she did do some stuff later on a few years ago with Kid Rock. Uh, some compilations there. Kid Rock kind of did his own bit in the country music for a while. Um, he was with, when he was a Sheryl Crow, he kind of dabbled in some country sounding songs for a while. Uh, he did a song with Gretchen Wilson, so 
can look that up, give it a listen. Very good stuff. June 27th, 1980. Three songs in the, to the Led Zeppelin's concert in Nuremberg, Germany. Drummer John Bond collapses while beating out the rhythms to the Black Dog song. In a rush to the hospital, abruptly ending the show, Robert Plant jokes that he ate too many bananas before the show, but alcohol is likely the culprit. In September, Bonham dies after a night of drinking. John Bonham's son, uh, John Bonham Jr., plays in Sammy Hagar's band now, so it's some pretty good stuff here, and you can still hear his dad in him a lot. 1970, the group Smile changes their name to Queen and perform for the first time under that moniker. Birthday is 1959. Country singer Laurie Morgan is born Loretta Lynn Morgan in Nashville, ten- Tennessee. Her dad is country singer George Morgan. 1928. Uh, C.W. McCall hit Convoy is adopted, adapted into a movie of the same name, which opens up in theaters. Chris Christopherson plays the main character, a trucker who goes by the name Rubber Ducky. And 1975, David Bowie releases Fame, featuring John Lennon on background vocals. It becomes Bowie's first number one hit in the U.S. Uh, David Bowie had a lot of great stuff. Fame was a very, very good song. I, I, I did not know until I went to this. I forgot that John Lennon had done the backing vocals on that. Uh, Fame was literally, I think he re-released that later on in the 80s also, a little remix of it. But David Bowie was always ahead of his time. I always thought David Bowie was a few years ahead of his albums. You'd hear his stuff and everybody would go, what the hell is that? But then a few years later, everybody was doing it. Uh, Boy was just a trendsetter, and he is missed. But that, that wraps up this segment for music, history, and birthdays. <clears throat> little update on the concert calendar for you. Um, a lot of bands have rescheduled or canceled uh, concerts they would have had here this summer. Here's some of the rescheduling that's going on right now. A lot of these are tentative dates. First of all, our friends at Medina have nothing through 2020 posted on their site yet. No new concerts there. XL Energy Center does have a few events kind of in September, but they don't have any ticket information, so those are kind of still hanging out there. Speaking of XL Energy Center, though, November 6th, Five Finger Death Punch. Uh, at the Armory, October 30th, we Megadeth and Lamb of God will be there at the Armory, October 30th. Skyway Theater, November 10th, Sebastian Bach of Skid Row. Um, a location change for uh, one that got rescheduled. It'll now be at First Avenue, Dragon Force, uh, March 26th of 2021. The rest of these will be 2021 dates they pushed out and rescheduled. U.S. Bank Field, the Motley Crue Def Leppard Tour. Uh, it will still be there, but it's going to be Thursday, July 8th, 2021 at U.S. Bank. And Target Center has a couple, uh, July of 2021 is going to be Rage Against the Machine. And also at Target Center, May of 2021 will be the Twin Cities Takeover with uh, right now Godsmack and Fozzie listed on that bill right there. So some bands are starting to reschedule tour dates for October, November, December, later on in the year. Great ideas out there. So And those could still change too. We're still playing this all as it, figuring out as it goes along with uh, – the venues reopening and sporting events reopening. Hopefully we can get these events going. We can get back to whatever normal life is, get to to some concerts and enjoy ourselves. If not, um, we will keep you posted best we can. But right now that's some information we got. While we haven't done concert updates in a while, 
Want to keep you know we haven't forgot about you guys with that stuff. We do enjoy going to concerts ourselves. Some of the small venues might be opening up too. I know a lot of bars and that are having bands play there every now and then. So watch your local bar. See what you got. If you got any suggestions for your band playing at a local bar or your local bars having a band there, uh, let us know on the Facebook page or uh, send us a message on Twitter or a message here on the Anchor app. Somehow let us know and we'll get that pushed out for you. All right. Take care, guys. Hello, this is Dan with the Album of the Week. This week we've got an album by Kiss, 1984, Animalize. Animalize was the 12th studio album by American rock band Kiss, released on Mercury Records on September 1984. Featured the first appearance by lead guitarist Mark St. John, also marked his last appearance. Remember, lead guitarists for Kiss were going through a turnstile at this time. Ace Fraley left in 1983. Vinnie Vincent came in in 1984. Mark St. John came in in 1984, um, right after Vincent. And St. John left. And who replaced him was Bruce Kulick, the longtime Kiss lead guitarist. So Mark St. John gets in. Uh, they record this album in Right Track Studios in New York, 35 minutes long. It came as a follow-up to 1983's Lick It Up album. At the time of the record's release, Gene Simmons was pursuing a career in acting. Therefore, Paul Stanley was primarily in charge of the album's production and direction. So it's actually Paul Stanley listed as the producer of this album. The album went platinum, platinum album, certified platinum. The new guitarist, Mark St. John, stated that recording this record, he had used, utilized his Rockman gear and that heavy equalization was used on this album to take the Boston sound out of the recording. Didn't want it to sound too much like the band Boston. St. John was forced to leave KISS during the subsequent tour after being diagnosed with reactive arthritis. By 1984 in November, he was already out of the band, the third lead guitarist to exit the group in two years. Critics and fans sometimes criticize this band uh, as it started to have a move toward more glam metal. I don't personally agree with that. I think this is a very good album and one of my favorites, in fact. Uh, I wouldn't consider it glam, but it was very good. Gene Simmons fell into increasing conflicts with his bandmates during this period for a variety of reasons, most which involved around his perceived lack of commitment to the band and preoccupation with numerous outside projects, including managing other rock bands. One band he was heavily managing at the time was a band called Black and Blue. Keep in mind, the lead guitarist for Black and Blue was a gentleman by the
pretty good at now, but, uh, personally I was listening to this, uh, this is good stuff, good songs. And I would call it personally heavily underrated. That's the review for the week.